Hey everybody, I'm Nicole. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Sarah, and together we're the co-founders of Whale Tales, a living library of cetacean stories. Today we're catching up with longtime friend of the pod, it's Marcy! So sit back and enjoy as we dive right in. Hi, Marcy. Hello. So we're super excited to have you here finally. We've been, uh, you've been a storyteller with us for a long, long time. Stories from you all the way back to like 2012 and also like this summer as well. So very excited to hear all sorts of stuff. So why don't we start with, tell us about yourself and your whale watching career. Yeah, I, oh gosh, (laughs) 2012, I was at UVic studying education. Um, and I have always just loved whales, obsessed with whales since Free Willy. That was a very mm-hmm. important part of my childhood. Yep, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> so say we all. <laughs> yeah. And I just got this boost of confidence. And I was like, I'm going to go ask, um, I think it was Prince of Wales I started with. Uh, I'm going to go ask them if I can come on their trips for free and take photos. <laughs> and lo and behold, it worked. What? Amazing. Um, <laughs> And then Springtide and then Eagle Wing. Um, and I did a season at least with all of them, um, learning their kind of methodologies on the boat and um, how to safely boat around whales and getting experience with the Southern residents, um, as well as like humpbacks and minke whales, um, bigs, orcas, and just you name it, it was incredible. Uh, we even had Pacific white-sided dolphins at mm. one point down there, Woo-hoo! and it was just, yeah. <laughs> I learned so much. I had so many amazing experiences and worked with so many incredible captains. Um, like, I just, yeah, that experience was life-changing, being able to get into the industry that way. So did you just do photography the whole time? You Were, were you a naturalist as well? I think I did one shift as a naturalist mm. um, <laughs> because they had enough staff on board with the actual certifications and they just mm-hmm. needed someone to talk about the wildlife. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I can do that part. Um, I've since gotten like my SVOP and all my boating tickets, which has also been life changing. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really neat working. And even when I was like just a photographer on board, like I still got to interact with the guests on board and educate as well. Mm, that's awesome speaking of your boating so tell us about where you are now because it's a little bit fascinating at least to me anyway yeah I moved in 2014 after I completed my bachelor's of education to a house it which is a first nations village uh just north of Tofino and it's a 35 minute boat ride from Tofino so sometimes I would get to whale watch um to and from my Mm. new home there and that's <laughs> that's, that's where I met my now husband, Skookum. Uh, he runs a water taxi company. And when we started dating, I was like, hold on, you own a boat and you don't do whale watching? <laughs> uh, so I taught him the ways of boating with whales. Um, and we started doing a little bit of ecotourism. Uh, but I also was able to help um, a tiny bit, I guess, with like photo ID efforts in Clackwat Sound here. There is, um, John Ford does the orca photo ID in the area, but because of how it's a little further up, he wasn't always able to make it up to some of the encounters. So um, following all the regulations, I was able to do 
some of the photography. I just don't have the permit to do the close-up photo ID, but yeah, it was even from a distance, like you can clearly get photos where you can identify the whales and be able to pass those on to uh, all the experts at DFO and Center for Whale Research and everything. So currently though, we have since moved off-grid onto Vargas Island, which is much closer to Tofino. Um, however, there's it's much more remote in a lot of ways. There's only five people living on the island. There's like a, yeah, there's like a thousand people in a house it, plus like a school and shops and stuff. You have almost more dogs than there are people on the island. <gasps> Just That's about. True. The dogs actually equal, there's another dog living on the island. So there's five dogs and five humans oh. on this island. <laughs> this is like my dream life. Nicole's dream. I am so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> Yeah, so we we live beachfront, off-grid, solar. Um, we carry in our water, wood stove, propane, outdoor shower, wow. you name it. Um, occasionally, I get to see whales from my bed, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, pretty amazing. <laughs> so yeah. cool. That's crazy. So fun. Um, so what do you see up there? There's a lot of bigs and grays and humpbacks and then sometimes some other guys yeah um we occasionally there seems to be a trend in the spring march ish uh fin whales have been showing up mm. so i have actually seen fin whales now um we had a quadruple header one time um, oh i think we have that story up <laughs> yeah it's probably yeah. up somewhere <laughs> uh, that was insane uh the southern resis come by once in a while uh often they're past before i even find out mm-hmm. um because they like to stick offshore and like one boat might see them but in 2018 we did have a super pod off of heshquit harbor which we just went for um no one else was able to stick with them and i think that was the first time they had been seen in a few months so those photos were really helpful mm-hmm. i took over 4,000 photos we stayed <laughs> until i ran out of space <laughs> that seems completely appropriate yeah <laughs> yes yeah that's amazing Um, yeah but it's mostly bigs and greys um the occasional other visitor i guess harbor porpoise too we've been seeing harbor like they're around obviously but they're obviously hard to see um this summer there's been like i don't know if it's the same mom calf every time but they've been coming right in close inside of where we anchor our boat but like i could walk out to where they're swimming wow Hmm. they're so close it's amazing to see and they're just coming in it's really shallow eh? close in yeah like they they're in less than 10 feet of water oh way less (laughs) i guess if they feel safe they'd come in that close Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Maybe there's actually bigs just offshore and I didn't see them. Yeah, they're, they're hiding. <laughs> Maybe they're hiding. <laughs> you can't catch me in here. It's too chill. <laughs> True, they're to turn into Argentina orcas. Yeah. Yeah. If that happens, then I feel like, Mercy, you would have a lot more people trying to come to your, your very remote island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The five people, five dogs, and this is the only place where bigs beach themselves to catch harbor porpoises yeah if it happens i won't tell you that's probably probably for the best that's fair seems like a great idea (laughs) do you still have uh much interaction with the public marcy in terms of you know like when you're when it's off season well even even on season i guess 
what's sort of your relationship with the public from a from an education standpoint now and and how are you finding your interactions with the public yeah um i work with cedar coast field station which is here on vargas um so occasionally our island population like explodes to 40 people (gasps) wow Um, (laughs) not counting like anyone that's here hiking and stuff but when we host school groups etc we can have like 25 students plus staff plus teachers uh, and I get to do various programs and workshops with them. So I have like a microplastic survey I do where we hike to Aarhus and we talk about the bog and the cultural history of the area. Uh, there's like biodiversity surveys and other wildlife um, talks we can do in wildlife cameras. So I still teach uh, place-based education and do a lot of um, work with visiting groups. Um, but other than that, I do a little bit of retail work in Tofino because who wouldn't want to work at a bookstore? Mm. Oh, true. (laughs) True. Um, And once in a while, I get to like guide and be a naturalist on our boat as well, which is really awesome if there's space or if a, if a group wants that on their trip. I feel like one of the reasons I was curious is just because I've been really removed from, especially the sort of like whale watching public person in terms of you know like the 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 people who are coming to go whale watching who are coming to see the whales for a couple of years between the pandemic and kids and so i i'm always curious for people who are who are interacting with the public regularly you know for those of us who this is our lives that we're so ingrained in entrenched almost in sort of the news and what's going on with the whales but I also know that one of the things that you know we've been working on so much is public awareness especially with the southern residents and so I'm always curious as to how that is translating to you know Jane and Joe and and whoever else in the public Mm -hmm. who's not necessarily super connected to the world of marine mammalogy. Yeah we um talk a lot on our trips or even with the school groups that I work with um, a lot of it comes back to fish farming in our area um, in talking about how that impacts our wild salmon and the wild herring and just the seafloor in general um, the diseases that are being passed on etc and because that's impacting our wild salmon uh, especially the juveniles as they're migrating out that's one of the research uh, projects at Cedar Coast has ongoing every season So we bring that up a lot in how that moves through like the food web and ends up impacting our southern residents. Um, But also like we talk about things like the pipeline expansion, like TMX, and how that's going to impact the southern residents. Because we don't see the southern residents as much up here, it doesn't always get linked in. But one of the guiding principles of Neutralness culture, which my husband is a part of, he's from a house at First Nation, is he shook a shawak. Everything is one. Everything's connected. So just yesterday I brought up with a group because there was a student from Seattle in the class and we talked about the Cook aquaculture escape and how one of those Atlantic salmon wound up here and was caught by a local fisherman. And I like I got to see this Atlantic salmon that had swum all the way up from Puget Sound. Um, it's just like mind boggling, but it shows how connected all of our waterways are in this region. Mm-hmm. Was it weird looking? Not in a fish farmy way, but just like... I know Atlantic salmon look different sometimes, don't they? Yeah, like the biggest difference. um, This one wasn't like deformed. I imagined all of the really weird sick ones would not have made it. Would not have made it up. Yeah. But like 
clearly different marking spots coloration and being mm-hmm. able to see it in person um was really like kind of shocking yeah like, and just yeah. weird all i wanted to do was dig into its stomach and be <laughs> like what yeah. have you been eating Absolutely. but i was not like the biology people involved with it so i just got to take some photos and pass it back <laughs> that's exactly how i would react as well me and you both would just be like Give me a scalpel. Dig on in. Um, Speaking of which, we'll get to some more stories later, but you actually found uh, the remains of a Cuvier's once. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you've got my whole start archive. Oh, yeah. That's how I roll. (laughs) Yeah, that was when I was living in a house. Skookum and I had just started dating. So literally, I think it was like our second date was my request for him to drop me off on a remote part of the coast and be like, can you get me on the rocks? There's a dead whale I need to go see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because these hikers had reported as a dead orca. And I was like, I was in panic mode. Um, Like, who is it? What is it? Where? So I get out there. It's the most beautiful sunset. And it's like the outer coast of Flores Island. And I hike this massive beach and get to the other end. It's very decomposed, but like immediately I was like, it's not an orca. We're good. But what is it? Um, it was a beaked whale. And we found out it was a Cuvier's beaked whale, which is really cool. Um Just to see that in person. There were some other hikers that like followed me and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so we got to talk a little bit about it and the significance and they took a photo of me i think i got some flack because i was smiling in the photo i was like this <laughs> oh. is so cool it's not like a fresh like it didn't i don't know <laughs> it's cool it's sad it cool. but it's really cool to be able to see that in person yeah no i would probably be smiling too for sure yeah yeah Marcy, one of the things that we always like to ask people when we have guests on the podcast, because we have so many listeners from all over the world, but especially one of the things that we always find really heartening is how many people are listening to our podcast who are not coastal living. So people who are landlocked and who just happen to love cetaceans. And I think speaking just for myself, but I bet there's probably a few listeners who are listening who will feel the same way. Your life is awesome. (laughs) And and clearly you have had the benefit of living on the coast and having all of these amazing experiences. What advice, if you could think of any to people who are listening, who are like, I want to have Marcy's life. I want to wake (laughs) up and see whales from my bed um, and have all of these amazing experiences. What advice would you give to our listeners to be able to follow in your footprints? Oh, gosh. Wind back time 30 years when the housing market out here was. (laughs) (laughs) Very practical. (laughs) Practical (laughs) advice. Oh, gosh. Okay. Honestly, I think the best advice would be to find, like, if you want to, to Fino specifically, um, this would apply to find a job with accommodations, like with housing, and just stick it out. Like, Tofino's housing market is insane. There's, there isn't enough, but there also aren't enough people necessarily willing to take the jobs with like the dorm style accommodations and they're not ideal it kind of sucks but like look where you're living and look where your backyard is um and just stick it out long enough to become a local so many people leave after one or two seasons or just come back for the summers like stick it out long term and I think it's worth it 
I really lucked out by moving into a First Nations community that welcomed me with open arms as a teacher um, and lucked out even further by finding my life partner in that community. Um, I'd say try that as well, but <laughs> I feel like I really hit the lottery with it, so I don't know how well it's going to work. Um, but like for teachers, the First Nation schools on our coast, it's it's remote living and not everyone can handle it. And so sometimes there's some really great job openings there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. That's great. Thanks so much, Marcy. And I think that that's also very different and really useful advice uh, and, and mm-hmm. something we haven't heard before. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Otherwise, the advice was going to be become a millionaire. Because, like, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's all you can do. It's also decent advice. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's something to be said for... It's okay. I think this is something, you know, I certainly needed to be, I needed, I, I was probably told it, but I needed to learn it myself. And I don't know about you, Lindsay and Sarah, but there's something to be said about like, it's really okay for everything not to be perfect when you're first starting. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's mm-hmm. normal and maybe better. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway. And it's like your 20s are for figuring this kind of stuff out of like that's the only time that it's really probably gonna work out that you can go live in a dorm and not have to worry about having a couch or whatever um you can just live there and meet people and gain experiences and then you're like you were saying like you're in like you know the people and you know and maybe you can get another job or whatever and then that leads into a more long-term stable-ish career or something like that's what it's you're supposed to do when you're starting out and sticking through yeah like you said the off seasons especially in somewhere like Tofino or lots of coastal communities where it's a very seasonal like seasonal tourism industry um sticking it out through the winter or the off season whatever the off season might be I think Mm -hmm. yeah if you can find like you know find somewhere to live and find somewhere to work during the off season like that's how you a become ton of a those, local. Yeah. Yeah. A ton of those jobs like are still there all winter long. Yeah. yeah. Another storm watching season, of storm course. Storm watching season. So <laughs> yeah, just stick it out and stay for a few years until you can like, you can be patient and find the right like rental for you or like find your little place of mm-hmm. like slice of paradise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just in the meantime, do your thing and enjoy the beaches every evening when you're not working. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you like rain, Tofino winters <laughs> are for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Better yet, work for one of the whale watching companies that provides accommodations. Mm. And then you mm. can go whale watching when you're not working. Yeah, or yeah. whale watching while you are working. While you are working. <laughs> Before we continue with the rest of the episode, we want to take a moment to tell you about how you can support our podcast and everything we do at Whale Tales. You can join us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash whaletales. You can join us at the porpoise level for a dollar a month, the dolphin level for $5 a month, and the whale level for $10 a month. Each level comes with a variety of perks, including discounts on merch, thank you postcards, access to extended interviews or stories with our guests, and producing your own fun flipper fact segment of the pod. This month, we also have an extra special perk for our patrons because we are releasing a special Patreon-only episode which combines two of the things that we love most, whales and exceptionally cheesy (laughs) 
Hallmark movies. I am currently the only one of the three of us who has watched this cheesy Hallmark movie. <laughs> um, which, can I say what it is? Yeah. Okay. We are going to watch Splash of Love. <laughs> the epic story about a PhD student who comes to the Pacific Northwest to study orcas and maybe finds something more. <laughs> oh, doggy, is it a great movie in quotation marks so if you'd like to hear all our thoughts about that you should consider becoming a patron even if only for this month so that you can hear all three of us talk about this classic splash of yeah. love time timeless movie. timeless movie that came out this summer <laughs> yeah. um so thank you patrons you are amazing not only because you continue to support us but also because you allow us to be able to do stuff like this which brings us just so much joy i've been super excited about recording this episode for four months so i just can't wait it's worth it (laughs) (laughs) and if you aren't able to support us financially there's still a lot of things that you can do to help us out you can leave us a rating or a review on your podcast platform of choice like apple podcasts or spotify and that will help other people find our podcast and you can also just tell your friends in person if they like science and citations and podcasts tell them about the podcast you can also follow us on social media and you can send us your feedback so that we can keep making the podcast even better whatever it is we would love to hear from you i think it's time for us to move to my personal favorite part of the podcast (laughs) marcy are you ready to share a fun flipper fact with us i just did a quick song just 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 for you (laughs) So my favorite fun flipper fact is that there are actually trends in the orca world. And back in 1987, one of the K-Pod orcas started a trend of carrying a dead salmon on her head. And that spread throughout the pod. And occasionally, orcas try to bring back that trend. Um, I think Gary Sutton got a photo within the last year or so of one of the northern resident orcas attempting to bring the trend back with a salmon on her head. (laughs) As long as this is a trend that stays in the orca world and doesn't migrate into, you know, current Pacific Northwestern culture for people, I think we're okay. (laughs) Okay, but wouldn't that be the best Halloween costume? Oh my gosh. (laughs) At the right Halloween party, it would go really well. Yeah. Please, Only please going. send pictures, Marcy, if you do. <laughs> Will do. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, um, Emma Luck posted about this on her Instagram. We'll link to it this summer. And she, now there's a lot of viral memes of um, Mean Girls and Devil Wears Prada <laughs> and stuff. Of like, are you wearing the salmon hat from yesterday? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. And like very good jokes aside, the fact that there are like trends and stuff speaks a lot to Mm -hmm. their culture of passing along information and like trying to fit in, which is, you know, really what where fashion comes in. So one of our favorite parts of the podcast and kind of the whole reason behind starting Whale Tales was to share stories of encounters and stories of seeing um, cetaceans in the wild. So do you want to share... um, one or two, maybe one from this season, and then if you've got one from all time, um, yeah, or just one uh, story that you are really excited to share with our audience. Do you really want me to narrow it down to two stories? I mean, you can share well, you more can if tell- you want. <laughs> okay, yeah. If I speed talk, I can get through all of them. <laughs> yeah. 
So my favorite story of all time was a couple years ago and we were just off of Plover Reef, Blunden Island off Tofino here. And we had the T75As, T75Bs and T37A1 who's hanging out with them. Uh, and the whole pod, well, like all the whole group of them was heading kind of southeast-ish and well off of our boat. And then all of a sudden T37A1 ducked away from the group, backtracked, did a long dive and popped up like coming straight forward for us within like 20 meters of the boat. Uh, <laughs> we just shut down. I scrambled from the bow of the boat back to the stern to see what the heck was going on. And she stayed at the surface and vocalized as she approached us and like a nice calm vocalization. She wasn't like screaming at us in anger or something. Um, <laughs> and she just came slowly up and then put her nose, her rostrum, like on our boat, like oh touching God. our oh, boat. Geez. And then just sat there vocalizing and blowing bubbles at the surface. So I'm holding my 300 millimeter lens like as high above my head as I can, <laughs> shooting completely blind and just staring in astonishment at this whale's head that's like two feet away from me. Uh, <laughs> it was like every piece of my body wanted to like reach out and touch and it was like obviously you never could but like it's the first time I, every muscle was holding me back and she's just like oh I want to know what she was saying <laughs> but <laughs> then she yeah she slowly turned and rubbed her entire body along the side of our boat turned 180 degrees back towards the rest of the pod and then slowly like slow motion lifted her tail and brought it down she could have drenched me like oh. full blown and the, and the camera and the <laughs> camera and everything and just the way oh it's giving me like goosebumps thinking about mm. it again mm -hmm. those photos all turned out perfectly crisp i have the most detailed photo of the top of a blowhole <laughs> and the tip of her dorsal fin <laughs> Uh, like, it was just mind-boggling. And I looked up after she had, like, done that dive, and there's a sports fisherman boat, like, right out there filming the entire thing. And I never got that footage. Like, hello. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and oh, then man. so, like, we pass on the radio, like, what just happened. And one of the other skippers that day was like, yeah, she did that to us, too. So I don't know wow. what was up with her that day. But, like, she had a thing for boats. That's a good story. Tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I was even acting it out with my hands because I'm so used to like showing how she rubbed the boat and how I was holding my cat. I did all the actions, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, another story. Probably. I don't even have photos from this encounter, but it was 2004. It was my first time seeing orcas in the wild. I was with my dad camping at Cape Scott. We were hiking the Cape Scott Trail together. And I was washing the dishes after breakfast in our little campsite. And orcas came into the bay. And they were nothing more than tiny little black triangles out in the bay. Um, and he made a comment about, like, not many places in the world you can wash your dishes and watch whales. Yep. <laughs> Accurate. Look where I wound up. Um, <laughs> you're like challenge accepted <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like 
even seeing those tiny little triangles off in the distance was more like life-changing for me and incredible than being in the splash zone at the Vancouver Aquarium with Biosa. Um, it, it was such a different experience to see them in the wild, just doing their thing. Um, and I, I really think like that along with Free Willy was what hooked me for life. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for sharing those stories, Mercy. I continue to stand by, I'm incredibly jealous of your life. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I pinch myself every day. <laughs> it does. Well, it's also, I think it's, it's good to remember too, that like some of this stuff, it just, it just doesn't get old. It really, really yeah. doesn't. It's always amazing. Like I was standing out in my pajamas in the blowing rain. I think it was like March. Cause we had such a weird spring with the weather. Um, there was a gray whale out in front of the cabin here. And I was down there in my pajamas trying to get a couple photos to maybe ID with the dorsal ridge who it was. Like Mark Sawyer and Javino was amazing with his gray whale ID. And it was actually the only gray whale in the area that day. So I let the whale watching fleet know. Um, a couple of them owe me burgers for that sighting. <laughs> but I see them like whipping around the corner in the boats from further down the channel. And I'm like, I should probably get out of my pajamas if I'm going to stand on the beach directly behind a whale with a bunch of tourists with cameras pointing at me. <laughs> I had to run back up. But I came back down. I don't even know if they ever ID'd that whale, but <laughs> it was pretty sweet. <laughs> that is really awesome. Unless there's anything else you wanted to share with us, Mercy, the last thing we kind of do in each episode is we always talk about, obviously, these animals that we love so much, what's something that we can do to try and help protect them. Mm -hmm. So in your mind, what's one of the most important things that either you are doing or you wish more people would do or you're really, really glad that people are doing to help protect the whales in your back, your actual backyard? <laughs> <laughs> Literal backyard. Um, every little thing counts. Um, obviously the corporations could be doing way more and I think we should continue putting pressure on government and all those layers of making change happen. Surf riders doing incredible things on the coast uh, with reducing single-use plastics and creating circular economy and talking about how to create circular economy. Um, every little thing we do counts whether it's like one less plastic bag we might think it's not huge in the grand scale of things but that one plastic bag if it happens to get into the ocean could kill something and that's what i talk about with the school groups we work with like we're picking up literal styrofoam beads off the beach and we're t we talk about what a tiny drop in the bucket that cleanup is but also how you may have just saved how many birds and fish fishes lives because they didn't ingest those styrofoam beads like it does matter. On the slightly larger scale, Will George is doing some incredible work right now. He was in the co-extinction film um, and he's doing a paddle right now, a canoe journey, uh, raising awareness about trying to get the TMX expansion canceled. So he's got a GoFundMe on his Instagram page, WillGeorge36. Uh, doing amazing work, incredible Indigenous um, activist and individual from our area so definitely someone that someone that everyone should be following in the work he's doing thank you fantastic mm. thank you so much mercy You're for welcome. coming on thanks so much sure. for having me oh man yeah uh, it was great you can come back anytime <laughs> <laughs> i've got more stories awesome. yeah also i really do oh, want to hear about your dogs <laughs> 
<laughs> I obviously want to hear your whale stories, but also dogs. Whale tales, We dog can tales. do a special dog-themed <gasps> podcast. <laughs> April Fool's Day or something. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Dog tales. <laughs> okay, Mercy, before you go, uh, mm-hmm. I know where people, people can find you, but where would you like people to find you if they want to follow you? Yeah, so my Instagram is west.coast.soul, and that's my photography work, wildlife photography. If you want to follow my off-grid journey, uh, that's at Vargas Dream on Instagram. Uh, And from there, you can find any of my other accounts, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you so much, Marcy. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Oh, it was so great to hear from Marcy. And now we'd really love to hear from you. Any of your thoughts on this episode or any episodes. So please visit our website, whale-tales.org, where you can find links to our various social media handles and you can drop us a line. You can also head to our website to subscribe to this podcast, check out our merchandise, learn about supporting us and becoming a patron. And while you're there, read over 1100 whale, dolphin, and porpoise stories, including lots of Marcy's awesome stories. That's whale-tales.org. Tales like the story, not tales like the animal. And if you've seen a cetacean in the wild, we would love to add your story to our library. Click the share link on our site. You can contact us on social media or you can email us a voice memo to tell us all about your incredible encounter. Finally, we want to acknowledge that we recorded today's episode on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people and the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, as well as the homeland of the Tawasan First Nation and the Ahauset Nation Territory. Thank you again so much for listening and for supporting us. And we hope you all have a really great 